If you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you do read it, you're misinformed. What is the long-term effect of too much information? Information, information, I just need some information. I've been dying, I've been dying, is it lack of education? I've been reading, I've been reading without any transformation. I'm addicted, I'm addicted, is it overstimulation? Hey. Welcome to the Success Report. The Success Report. Hear ye, hear ye. Come on, come on. You are listening to the Sixth Sense Report with Joe Nikoloff and Darnell Samuels. We back at it, bro. And you and you made it back alive. One piece, one piece, man, without without somebody sticking something up my nose. Yeah, man. Um, it's a good thing you didn't you didn't make your way to Vancouver. You might not have made it back either. What do you mean? Well, subject matter of today. Good old documentary. Oh, what do you Vancouver. mean? I was in Vancouver. I, I'm just meant you're, you're you made it back alive without uh, being being in the in the heart of the tent city or, or Chaz, as they called it in uh, was Seattle. In Seattle. Oh, OK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, Vancouver, tent city, uh, West Hastings, um, Hastings Street. Uh, yeah, man, it was uh I, I saw it the last time I was in Vancouver. I didn't have time to uh, head down in that direction um, this time around, so I, I wasn't able to to see how far the tent city has evolved. Hmm. But um, yeah, watching the documentary, um, and for those who who uh, who don't know, didn't read the title, but you just push play because you love the show so much. And so you're like, I, I don't even care what they're talking about. I just, I just, I just want to hear. I just want to hear what what uh, what these guys have to say. So today we're talking about uh, the documentary called "Vancouver Is Dying" by Aaron Gunn, and so um, we're going to hit the points of why um, the points. What is Vancouver is dying? Uh, what's the cause of homelessness? Uh, is harm reduction reducing harm? And then our two cents uh, about about vancouver dying so joel what was your first uh what was your takeaway from uh, or what is vancouver dying i should say uh for those who don't know so i mean it's a, a documentary that you you sent to me um that, that you yeah, came across it, it came across my timeline uh a friend of mine who, who lives in vancouver uh uh sunny posted it and then I noticed it popping up. I don't know if it's an algorithm thing and they're just pushing it into my feed, but um, <laughs> even on Twitter, um, I, I saw it there, somebody posting it as well. And then uh, since I was on my way to Vancouver, I was like, oh, let me let me uh, watch this video. And I kind of wish I, I kind of didn't <laughs> before I went to Vancouver. But anyways, uh, got you a little scared. <laughs> yeah, actually, it did. It, it really did actually uh, got me scared. And, and Tyra was down there with me. So you know kind of made her a bit nervous but yeah so what did you think uh or what first what is what what is it about so uh for the audience um if you're uh, the link will be in the show notes page uh it's a documentary on youtube it's titled vancouver is dying full movie uh it's by aaron gunn it was released a month ago uh so this is uh november early november it was released uh I don't have the day exactly. It just says one month ago. So let's say early October it was released and already has 2.1 million views. Uh, and primarily, I would say it's a documentary regarding the current state of Vancouver 
and how, let's say, the I want to say it's the East End, which has always been deemed the more rougher area, has had some of its um, aspects trending into all of Vancouver. And, and really, the, the city itself is finding itself in a place that um, many citizens are, are afraid for various reasons and the dynamic or the, the nature of the city is changing, uh, with regards to crime as well as homelessness. So it's, it's really a, a citizen journalist documentary. So of course, something we'd like to highlight with, uh, our predisposition away from corporate media, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, highlighting Vancouver and, and really the current state of things. So right. what was your, um, you know, big takeaway or, or what did you find that you learned the most from the documentary? Uh, I, I think my, my first takeaway was I was a bit skeptical. Uh, I, I was like, man, because it, it, it started off with, with, all, uh, with, with a whole bunch of crime mm. and, and random acts of violence on people. And I was like, man, is this conservative propaganda? Like <laughs> it, it felt like it felt like it, it was taking a while for him to unpack um, what he was doing. And I, I, Personally, I don't like I don't like being scared, so mm. I was kind of skeptical. I'm like, okay, is this guy exaggerating? Because I'm about you know I'm trying to enjoy Let's my vacation. Huh? He's setting you up like emotionally. Yeah, yeah. So, so and I, I don't like being manipulated emotionally, whether it's from the right or the left. And so I was like, oh, okay. But eventually, he got to the point um, about it about what was causing the problem. So I, I thought it was well laid out. I thought it just took too long for him to get to what the problem actually was. Yeah, no, I I know your I, I hear what you're saying because at the very beginning you're sort of like, wait, what is this about? Because he's really like, cult. He's he's demonstrating how the city is not as safe maybe as people perceive it to be, or or a big city should be safer. And mm-hmm. so I did think it took a little bit to get to to that point, but it's only a 55 minute documentary, uh, 56 minutes, 55 minutes. So maybe it was about 10 minutes in that you really start to see. Okay, I I see where this is going. I see the points that are trying to be made. Um, but, but I, early on, I thought, I sort of thought, you know, I'm not, what, I'm not quite sure what's the argument or what's the, the purpose of this documentary. But I thought, like you said, it was well laid out. Um, I didn't think he necessarily took too long to get there. Um, it just was definitely sort of rolling around in my brain, maybe a little bit differently than what you've, the reasoning you've given. But, um, yeah, the, the crime was, you know, eye opening at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. The intro. Um, so I think, like you said, I think it was well done. Was there, um, any particular voices or perspectives in this documentary that you appreciated? Uh, yes, I had, um, the circle, um, the issue of Marshall Smith. Uh, and he was, he was a former, um, um, citizen of the tent city. And so he now he's a treatment and recovery advocate, a uh, former resident of downtown East Side. And so, yeah, um, his story about how he ended up, uh, yeah, being in, in the tent city and the drinking, how, you know, he was actually, you know, working a corporate job. And then the, the drinking just started to get out of hand. And then next thing you know, he's living in a tent. Right. So, so I thought it was pretty cool that he got out of it. How about you? No, I, I agree. I think, um, that, uh, I, I was, when you were talking about that guy, I wasn't sure if it was the same guy. There was, uh, 
an individual who um, I think used to be part of BC politics and, and his drug addictions got the better of him to the point where it was like five years of really being in homelessness and, and I'm assuming to some extent tent city. Um, and he's really cleaned his up life up now. And if I'm not mistaken, he's actually part of uh, the new Alberta government. Um, I think I just was listening to an interview with Aaron Gunn on um, the Church Wood podcast, and he was mentioning that this the the individual I was thinking of. So there's a that that guy's testimony just going through all that stuff was really good. I thought um, seeing JJ McCullough in the documentary, I really appreciated his voice. Obviously, we've done a bit of uh, you know review of his work, right? So um, yeah. he, I'm being you know a prominent um, Canadian. And also from that area, I thought yeah. uh, his voice being in there was really, really good. Um, I thought there was a good spectrum too, right? There's a section with a retired police officer speaking to some of the issues and, and some of the shortcomings. Um, but yeah, I, I thought there was some good diversity of, of perspectives um, in terms of, you know, walks of life in term, you know, and exposure to the various sides of things. So, um, a big aspect of this documentary is the the homelessness or or tent cities type of thing. Um, what uh, were you surprised at at some of the takes that they provided? Or I was provided? I, I, I was devastated, man. It was it was really sad um, about how how the from the from the last time I was in I was in Vancouver, I was. Um, I was there in 2017, I think, 2017, and 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 I saw the tent city for myself, and it was scary. Like the day, it, I, was, I was like, oh, in the day it was a mess, it, it was a bit messy, but at night, it was, it was scary. It was scary, and so the fact that uh, the tent cities have expanded and and and, and it has grown um, was kind of worrisome, uh, and to see all those people who aren't well, and like. And, and and also like the walk like the I think the, the movie used the term the walking dead. Literally, that that's what they look like. They were they look, you know, some of these guys are just spaced out, drugged up, spaced out. Uh, you know, somebody's, you know, one girl, she looked like she was 20. Right. And I was like, she looked like she was in her early 20s. And I think you know who I'm talking about. And you know, she was talking. I was like, yo, what's that black thing in her mouth? I'm like, what the I'm like, what what is that black thing in her mouth? And I and then I look closer, and the black thing in her mouth is that there's nothing in her mouth. Like there's mm -hmm. no teeth. There's only one mm -hmm. tooth. <laughs> yeah, she, I I actually have that that picture, and her hat it says "boss lady." Across yeah, the top. yeah, <laughs> yo, yo, she looked like yo, she looked like she was like in her twenties. Yep, yep, yep. Yo, yep, very young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that math. I was just like, yo, man. Oh my gosh! What about you? Uh, you know the whole homeless thing. Homeless uh, thing. What were you thinking when you saw it? I I thought it was very informative. Um, you know when he gets to the aspect of, um, I think he's talking to, um, so I think maybe this is the guy you're talking about. Um, so Marshall Smith. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, the guy I'm talking um, about. Yeah, so. He was his section, his commentary was real informative, I think, on um, why 
so much of the homelessness is is still occurring and and he really speaks to the fact that um for the most part it's it's part of the addiction lifestyle right so because of the mental illness and the addiction and the choice to not be in treatment is what's leading to the homelessness okay so right? so is that what you would say is the cause to homelessness as well in, well in, in terms of the documentary in terms of the focus in terms of tent cities uh, the, there was a comment in in the in the documentary that there isn't a lack of affordable housing or a lack of structured housing. Right. Uh, it's it's a choice not to be in there because whether it's too much regulation, too much rules, people don't you know they don't want to whatever the you know conditions are on on those um, places of of sleep or or you know I don't know the nature of whether it's overnight you know men's shelter type thing versus you know, a little bit more permanent. The The documentary didn't get into those specifics, but he did this, this guy's, you know, commentary, right. And it does say former resident of the downtown East side. Um, he, I think was one of the most uh, informative voices that I found in this documentary. And, <clears throat> you know, it, it, to me, it's not surprising that it's, it's an, a lifestyle piece, especially with, uh, what's going on, um, you know, with regards to sort of, a, a a progressive or, or liberal policy towards punishment, um, for particular crimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I'll say a lack of, um, you know, it's sort of a poor man's version of, of the Portugal model. So Portugal's model has a lot of uh, decriminalization, but there's a heavy focus on, um, helping people that are, you know, in, in, in terms of, uh, using. So I think, I think they have a lot more, uh, psychiatric evaluation, let's say in Portugal with regards to their programs that leads to, you know, people being helped as opposed to, you know, living in a tent city, but also having, uh, improved access through, um, you know, let's say called safe injection sites and the various, you know, programs that government's running to, to help people who are addicted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the tagline, uh, for the movie it is, it says, uh, or, or it says in, in the caption, it says who is responsible for the surge in violent crime? And is the introduction of a safe supply of toxic drugs, including heroin and cocaine, really the solution the city needs? And so I would say the the, the what was what's causing the uh, the homelessness is is of course the the drugs. But I think even before the drugs is why people are are going to the drugs and people that aren't whole or people that come from uh, broken homes or broken relationships and have a void in their life that needs to be filled. And of course, for, the, for some, for those people, um, they, they look to drugs to, to fill that void. And even watching it, it kind of made me reflect and be like, okay, so why am I not there? Of course, you know, by God's grace, but also like, or like, have I ever felt the need to drink or smoke or or do take some kind of substance i've never felt that need um but you know some people you know they grow up different and face different hardships and that's how they cope so it's very unfortunate yeah and and, you know 
I was, cr- it was pretty crazy about halfway through the documentary. Um, it, it had some stats regarding contrasting with COVID. Um, and I think it was more or less double, um, the number of people that died of overdose in BC mm-hmm. compared to the number of people who died from, from COVID in the really? same time frame. Yeah. So, um, I, I don't, uh, at about the 31 minute mark, I'm missing the time reference. I think it might be a year and a half. Um, it wasn't quite double, but he has 1800 deaths from COVID and 3000 deaths from overdose. Hmm. Um, and if I try to scroll back here, but mute, I think, I think it was, uh, a year and a half was the time frame. Uh, and so let's say, I think to June, 2021. Uh, but again, if you watch the documentary, um, you can see, yeah, I think, and, uh, six months of 2022, a thousand people or 1100 people died of overdose. Um, mm-hmm. and again, I think that was in, in BC as opposed mm-hmm. to just Vancouver. Okay. So, um, you know, it, it begs the question is the, is the harm redic- reduction program actually reducing harm? Is, is it, you know, an effective strategy? Is it maybe another uh, way of thinking about it? Well, you know, uh, in theology, uh, somewhere in the Bible, it says uh, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Actually, no, that's not in the Bible. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> just just testing your, your your Bible your Bible knowledge. But yeah. but there's a saying that says the the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Uh, everything that glitters isn't gold. There's no such thing as a free lunch in economics. Um, but that good intentions um, is not enough. And, and, you know, I'm sure these people's hearts are in the right place, but their brains aren't. Mm. Uh, and so what you end up having is, uh, yeah, you're, you're, you're incentivizing um, the bad behavior, right? So, so, so you create the incentive for them to use the drugs, but then the unintended consequence or not even un, probably to them, <laughs> depending on the, what, 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 what political camp or economic camp you're in, you, you kind of already saw the violence coming. Mm. You kind of already saw the violence coming because look, man, we already know, yo, you're on the drugs. Eventually you come off the high, you got to get the money to, to, to get those drugs. And so if you ain't working a job, well, how are you supposed to get, how are you supposed to get money? Okay, yeah. Well, you, you got to go to crimes. You got to go to petty theft, theft, theft. Uh, and yeah, it, it's, it's. Uh, yeah. The for- one girl on there was saying she was spending $300 a day on, on drugs. And, and I mean, all she said was, you know, how else am I going to get that other than crime? Right. You know, and, and she didn't even really get into specifics. Like my, you know, my thought was like, is she, you know, potentially participating in the sex trade? You know, there's mm-hmm. who knows, right? She, she sort of referenced it really vaguely and it was, you know, almost intentional um, that she just was like, you know, how, how else do you think I'm going to pay for the drugs? I got to, you know. Right. And, and they're not alone. Anyone and go back to the concept that I said earlier, if, if majority of these people living in tent cities are doing it either under mental health reasons or addiction reasons, they're not going to be able to sustain, you know, jobs or, or income. So how else are they going to support themselves slash their habits? Um, you know, whether it be for mental health reasons or, or for addiction reasons, um, chances are they're having to turn to some level of, 
you know, black market or, or crime in order to survive. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's 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 scary. Um, so, like, what do you think about the idea of the decriminalizing? I, I mean, I'm a huge fan of it in in general because I don't I don't think that criminalization is in is is the solution. I would say in in this context, the problem is it's a little bit more. Um, like there's a, there's a conflating of issues. So what I mean by that is there's petty crime not being punished. And then there's taking, you know, doing drugs. So when I say petty crime, I'm talking like, oh, I stole, you know, $50 at a convenience store mm-hmm. being petty crime where people aren't being punished. Restitution's not occurring. People are getting away with it. You know, though that that's one thing. It, and so I'm all, I'm not speaking to that at all when I talk about decriminalization um, or even harm reduction, right? Because I think you can tar- start to include some of the petty crime in a harm reduction strategy, meaning you're not going to punish these people because you viewed the reason for their crime as, uh, you know, not malice, but rather, oh, I have a habit that I'm struggling with, right? So um, there there's an aspect of harm reduction where they're not enforcing the laws. Right. Right. And so that's where I go to the petty crime side. So I think I think that actually makes all of this worse. Right. Because you're you're allowing people to behave in a manner that violates another's rights or property. There's no restitution for that. Go back to the the let's call it individual drug use. I don't view criminalization as a means to resolve the problem. And I, the way I always argue this with people would be if someone within your own family had a problem, you know, with addiction, mm-hmm. would, do you think locking them in b- behind bars is the means to restore them to their responsibilities? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And so I think that, um, there is a valid argument to be made for decriminalization. Right. And, and, and actually, sorry, Joel, just want to make a point. Uh, we talked about this, uh, in episode 137, don't you put it in your mouth? That's right. Um, and I'm pretty sure we had some. I had some good links to the Portugal model in that episode as well. So I'll make sure to to put the that episode in the show notes page. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think decriminalization as a as a strategy has a lot makes a lot of sense. But if you look at the Portugal model, and I touched on this earlier briefly. Portugal does a really good job of of adding to um, their program in that, you know, they, I think um, Aaron Gunn, um, I might have got this from his interview on uh, Trish Wood rather than uh, on his documentary, but it might be in the documentary. Um, with regards to uh, drug use and let's call it safe injection sites or, or you know, de-stigmatizing of the entire drug use. I think in Portugal, there's an aspect where you have to meet with somebody. They talk to you about the amount of use you have and, you know, getting into the um, nuance of, is this okay? Uh, You know, in the sense of if someone's using too much, they don't just give them the drugs. They help them get treatment. They help them get into a, let's call it a safe or, or um, safe might not be the right word, but help somebody manage their usage such that it's not an addiction and and maybe that means abstinence 
Um, and it seems like abstinence from drug use is not at all on the table in the Vancouver, um, you know, approach. Mm-hmm. All right. So then what's your two cents on the issue? Uh, or more, more so, let me be specific on this two cents. Is it coming to a town near you? Is um, Tent City coming to the GTA? Would you say, is that possible? So I think there was a, in the documentary, there's a really catalytic, or there's a comment regarding a catalytic action by the city. And they talk about the city, the street sweepers being stopped because, so the street sweepers would, you know, the machines that come through and sweep the city and they clean up the garbage and they, so they, Vancouver stopped doing this because people were arguing that they were disrupting. This is politicians. I should say when I say people, you know, politicians and activists were arguing that they were disrupting the homeless by sending the street sweepers to clean the streets. And when that happened, almost instantly, streets were basically taken over with a tent city. So this was a catalytic decision that had repercussions. And so when you ask that question, I think back to Toronto, where they actually had a park that became overrun with uh, a tent city during the last two years. I'll mm-hmm. see if I can find a link or, or some commentary on it. Mm-hmm. And I think they got pushed out of the park by the police uh, after about a week and a bit. And yes. So, and people were up in arms about that. Right. Well, some, and, and I should so, say some, not a lot of people, but I'm sure no, some. some. And I think that to me demonstrates that like, okay, this is a different approach. Because I think if Toronto had taken sort of a similar to the street sweeper approach in response to that park being overrun with tents, Mm -hmm. then I think you would see that Toronto would probably be in a similar place right now. Um, And so I think it really is dependent on the individual actions of the political class and whether or not they're going to, you know, give in to demands that, you know, homeless or, or people in, in tents need to be treated with greater dignity or something along those lines. Um, I think that potentially you will see situations like this. And, and w- when we did the Nimbian uh, NIMBYism episode, you know, we talked about people. Episode being- um, 89 gentrifiers and NIMBYs. NIMBYs is an acronym for not in my backyard. Yeah. And, and so I think that that's uh, a good take or, or um, that, that episode we talk about the people within Toronto were afraid because th- the city had moved a different demographic into their neighborhood through the, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. hotel gentrifying you know, gentrification. Yeah, and, but yeah. now people were afraid because the demographic was, and, th- and you know, the woman that if I recall correctly, I don't know if we played the, the, audio in the in the episode but the one of the links we had a woman was like you know i pay a lot to live here and and i'm not you know now i'm afraid like you know uh i'm not getting my money's worth or or you know i gotta be afraid that my kids aren't safe in this neighborhood so i i think that it's likely to be very sporadic where it occurs because it's going to be dependent upon the politicians and their choices uh in response to you know, complaints or, or calls to action that support uh, people that are in, you know, uh, uh, let's call it 10 city for, for simplicity. 
What about you? What's your two cents? Is this coming to Toronto? Is this coming to Brampton? Brampton, uh, <laughs> to Brampton. No, uh, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. No, you can't, you know what? If, if they brought tent, tent city to Brampton, people couldn't afford the tent. <laughs> you couldn't even afford the tent in Brampton. So it ain't coming here. It's too expensive. Um, but as far as, uh, coming to Toronto, like we already have uh, safe injection, uh, places. Um, I, I think this could possibly be a slippery slope, not just not necessarily just because of the uh, safe injection sites. Uh, there's one um, 277 Victoria Street in Toronto. But I think also like uh, I, th I think politically uh, people have to get to the place where it's saying, OK, well, um, kind of the same place where we're. we're where um, the BC politicians are, where they, they want to be lenient on, on police presence. They want to be lenient on the street sweepers. They want to be lenient on, um, on property rights, right? Can, can Toronto get there? I think it's possible. Um, but, but I'm glad this documentary is out. That's got people talking and got people thinking. So I, I'll, I'll have to say no. I don't think it will come to Toronto because of this documentary and what's going on in BC. As much as you know, Toronto and, and, and Vancouver are kind of like our flagship cities um, in Canada. Um, I, I, I think because of what's going on in Vancouver, Toronto's kind of taking note and being like, okay, like they're not turning a blind eye to it. They're like, okay, that maybe that isn't working well for them. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, Toronto's got Toronto's, you know, we're like Vancouver, but we're not like Vancouver and we got our own thing going. Right. Uh, you know, we, we, we got a lot to lose. Yep. Right. People, you know, we got a lot to lose. And, and so I, I really think come back, going back to the NIMBYs, um, I think I think Toronto, Toronto are going to say, yo, not in my backyard, son. <laughs> you need you need to take that to Hamilton. Yep. No, yep. no, 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 no disrespect. <laughs> To Hamilton. No, no, to, to, <laughs> yo, shout to Tony. Shout to Tony. Yo, no yeah, disrespect, stop. Tony. <laughs> no disrespect. But yo, we got to send those guys to Hamilton, man. That's good. That's good. And uh, I think, again, the, the Aaron Gunn interview on Trish Wood podcast, he mentioned that the mayor of uh, Vancouver just lost by 20 points in the re-election. And the mayor has been a big advocate of a lot of the policies that have resulted in this. So, um, you know, Aaron Gunn would say, I think he said something like, I'd like to think my documentary had something to do with this. Um, but in the the elections and, and for the American listeners, basically all of Canada did all of our municipal elections in, in the last uh, month, let's say. And so Vancouver's recent municipal election found that their mayor, uh, incumbent mayor lost by 20 points. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think to your point that, you know, this documentary and, and people starting to raise awareness of things like this, um, as well as, you know, the Seattle Chaz scenario and things like that going down and, and obviously having, um, you know, some supporters. I think it also was very eye opening to some people that, you know what, I don't want any of this business in my city or around my kids. Get out. Let us know what you guys think. You know how to contact us. Six cents makes change. But you heard me? Does that make sense? Madden and Mitchell Media.